0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito
1: Hello, and welcome to What in Tarnation, Tar Heel Blog's hot take podcast. In this episode, we're going to discuss Carolina's starting quarterback, a big weekend ahead for UNC basketball and football, some expectations for Cole Anthony, and the newest scholarship player for the basketball team. I'm Tanya Bondurant, and with me is Brandon Anderson. Brandon, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing all right. It is close to 10 p.m. here on a Tuesday, but hey, I'm here for you, the fans, the listeners. Hi, hello.
1: Would you say that this is hot takes after dark?
0: It might be hot takes after dark. If we pushed it a little closer to midnight, it'd really be after dark. And honestly, we probably have some of that to look forward to once basketball season starts. So, hey, stay tuned.
1: And who knows what we will say then?
0: Who knows what we'll (laughs) say then? Because we'll be tired and delirious.
1: Exactly. (laughs) But for today shall we get started with the news that Sam Howell is likely to start for Carolina next weekend?
0: Yes, that is a good starting point. So I'm sure everyone's heard by now. Sam Howell has been practicing with the blue team as of this week, I do believe. Um, and initially when it came out, it, Kind of had this tone of this is likely going to be the starting quarterback situation inside Carolina came out with a report today that kind of backpedaled a little bit, but it wasn't anything surprising. it was just one of those Mac Brown wanted to clarify this doesn't necessarily mean that he's the starter, but he's probably going to be the starter um, and of course this is basically a situation where Howell got the Green light to practice with the blue team over Jace Reuter and Cade Fortin.
1: I mean, I think that Howell came in so highly touted that that makes sense to me. Um, I think it also makes sense based on what we heard from training camp, which was that Hal was kind of the middle ground between a really good runner and a really good passer. And both of those things are good to have, but obviously you want someone who can effectively do both. And it sounds like Hal is that guy. Um, I know that Mac Brown probably doesn't want to make too many promises right here and now because obviously they're... Is more information to be gathered from Fortin and Reuter uh, just because they're not freshmen, but I mean i I feel like it will be a surprise if Hal is not the starting quarterback when they face off against South Carolina now that's certainly subject to change um, if he doesn't perform as well as they'd hoped. Um, I could absolutely see a change being made. I could see. Brown going with a couple different options depending on the play he's calling and and how the game is going. But at this point, I would be surprised if Hal is not at least the guy to get the first crack at it.
0: Yeah, and to be real honest, we've seen situations before from Carolina, not necessarily under Mac Brown, but definitely under Larry Fedora, where we have seen multiple quarterbacks throughout the year while all quarterbacks were healthy and I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing a little bit of that especially if Jace Reuters is as much of a runner I mean we know he's a runner and I think that's going to come in handy if they decide to go into some of the like wildcat style packages I don't know that that's something that falls in line with the air raid offense if I'm being completely honest but I definitely think it's one of those situations where, yeah, we'll probably see a lot of how, and honestly, everything with the team is so new right now. And I've that was something that I mentioned when I wrote my five, you know, burning questions about the football team this year. When I wrote that article, I kind of alluded to that everything is just so new that things that, aren't normal all of a sudden become options like I don't remember the last time that Carolina started a freshman quarterback I don't know that it's ever happened but in this particular situation where you got new head coach new offensive coordinator defensive coordinator I think they got new special teams all all that um, it it lends itself to being a little crazy but in a good way I feel like so starting how isn't the most outrageous thing that could have came out of all this kind of like you said, I think all the hypes around him kind of lend itself to him eventually being named because on paper, he's probably the most well-rounded quarterback. And I feel like it just kind of makes sense.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think having him sort of noted to be the best of both worlds, it at least makes sense to have him give it a shot at first. Um, He's a freshman, so anything could happen. Um, But I think that it makes a lot of sense to see what he's got. And the game against South Carolina is as good of a time as any to do that.
0: Yes, for sure. Yeah, that was the biggest news that kind of came out of the football space uh, within the past week they had their open practice yesterday sounds like that went okay but other than that there was actually some news that came out about the basketball team uh, just a couple different things but uh late night with roy is now confirmed for september the 27th which it, The event usually falls around my birthday, which is kind of like the middle of October. So this is a big change for the basketball program. Tanya, I don't even know how to process this really because it's just so far off the beaten path of what we're used to.
1: Yeah, I think it is definitely different. But when you couple it with the news that the next night is the Clemson game which will probably be the biggest game held in Keenan Stadium this year. I think that's probably safe to say. Um, it's shaping up to be an absolutely huge weekend in Chapel Hill. Like that's going to be a recruiting hotbed for both Roy Williams and Mac Brown, getting guys on campus for those two events. Um, having them come to both events, I think will be big. The energy should be pretty great for – I mean, let's be real. I don't think anyone believes that Carolina is going to be able to beat Clemson. But it's a really big game. And I think having a lot of energy in the stadium will go a long way toward, you know, swaying some recruits, hopefully. So even if that's not a game that Carolina wins – If they can show up respectably, I think that will be absolutely huge. Um, And having late night the night before, I think that'll be fun. And that's definitely sort of like the package deal where you can get a lot of people into Chapel Hill. You know, families can come make a weekend of it. I think it's really good for the athletic program in general. And I mean it's kind of one of those dates on your calendar that you circle and you're like, okay, I have to go to this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I kind of wonder how many, I mean, I know there's going to be a lot of Clemson fans at that football game, but I also wonder if there's going to be a little attention for the people that do come into town from a long ways. I know South Carolina isn't terribly far, but If you're going to make the drive and possibly stay the night, maybe you end up at late night. Maybe that's probably a stretch because I'm sure there are some more than enough diehard Clemson fans for football and basketball collectively. But yeah, going back to your point, I feel like that's definitely going to be a big recruiting weekend and, I also feel like late night being in September kind of gets it out of the kind of chaos that is October in terms of, because isn't homecoming around that time?
1: Homecoming is in October. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of pulls it away from that. And honestly, that's not a bad time to do it either, but also I, I don't know. I like September. I do think that for anybody that's really into football, I can see how they may roll their eyes and see it as it's taking a little attention away from football. But honestly, it's going to be really, 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 really hard to take attention away from that Clemson game. No matter how good or bad it goes, I think we're all looking forward to that game just to see how the team measures up against what is inevitably going to be the number one team of the country. So I feel like it's all good. Um, I haven't been to the late night in mm, how long a year. Maybe I just missed a year. You just missed a year. Because yeah. Yeah. Because I went to the banner raising one. So it should be a good time. Get a look at the, Tar Heels, that uh, they got a lot of changes kind of going on too because Luke May's gone, Kenny Williams is gone, Kobe White's gone, cyril has gone, Cam Johnson's gone. Then you have Cole Anthony coming in and a bunch of just a bunch of players. It's going to be a really different look this year.
1: Brandon, I have a question for you and an observation for you. Shoot. Question first, according to VividSeats.com, which game do you feel like has the highest low ticket price for games at Keenan this year as of August 20th at 10.08 p.m. As in the lowest ticket that you can buy is the highest of any of the home games.
0: Appalachian State.
1: Um, that's not how we pronounce that word. And yes, that is correct. <laughs> you need to act like you're from North Carolina if you're going to be on this podcast.
0: This is why I always say App State to be safe.
1: It's Appalachian.
0: Appalachian.
1: Thank you. But that is correct. Uh, the lowest ticket price, according to VividSeats.com. And I only use this because... That is what ESPN pulls up when I look at the schedule. The lowest ticket price for the App State game is $92. The lowest ticket price for the Clemson game is $73. The more you know.
0: The more you know.
1: Rainbow. Uh, Now for my observation. The only home football game in October is the Duke game. What? Do they make that homecoming? I have questions.
0: I think it is homecoming. I'm 99% sure that's homecoming.
1: That's wild. Yeah. Because the 5th, they're at Georgia Tech. The 19th, they're at Virginia Tech. And then they're home against Duke on the 26th. Wow. Wow pretty crazy.
0: Pretty crazy. And that's a good homecoming game because I, that game is very winnable.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to say
0: that it's a guaranteed win, but it is very winnable.
1: It's one of those games that will be a very good barometer, I think, because if everything is going right for Carolina, they should be able to win that game. Um, not saying they will, but it is a winnable game. Um, and it's kind of, After that rough stretch at the beginning, um, you've got the softer part in the middle that is Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and Duke. Um, So I feel like this season will kind of be made or broken in that three-game stretch, probably. Um, It'll be interesting to see kind of what they're made of in that, like, these games are winnable, but will they win them stretch.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure and there's still been a lot of conversation about what kind of record Carolina will have and things like that, and let's just be real honest. They're all toss-up. There's a lot of toss-up games, but there's with that, the toss-up games are pretty winnable for Carolina, so it might not be as much of a toss-up as we think, but there's so many different, outliers i feel like that come into play like will they stay healthy by then will the quarterback situation maintain or will there be players rotating in and out and this and the other i just football is so sensitive in the sense of like you really need everything to go right or else things haven't been going
1: right for carolina the last couple years but hopefully their luck is about to change.
0: Yeah, I. Really, they need some really like
1: breaks, so. you know. It's time.
0: It's time. They're overdue. They really need some breaks. Speaking of break, we're going to take one right now, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more Carolina basketball. So stay tuned. We will be right back with you. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars dot com.
1: And we're back with some basketball talk. Let's talk about Cole Anthony and what everyone's expectations for him are.
0: Yes. I would like to lead off by saying I apologize for my poor grammar during this time of 10 o'clock. Tanya was lightly roasting me during the break and
1: just lightly. <laughs> I just
0: wanted to say, I apologize. This is why I write and I try not to speak.
1: But see, as your editor, I'm like obligated to do that.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. So
1: it makes must sense. anyone think I'm just being mean? Literally my job.
0: It's literally her job. I I think I'd take it pretty well. I mean, I cry in the car just, just as, tiny bit but it's no big deal so cole anthony (laughs) so there's been a couple different things that have come out about cole anthony recently and i know that i personally wrote something about him and the expectations that surrounded him and i just wanted to kind of go through a couple other perspectives that i stumbled upon The first one came from NBC Sports, and this one was interesting to me because it was kind of one of those, this kid is a good player, however, type takes. So Tanya, I'm just going to read it to you, and then I'm going to kind of gauge your thoughts on this. Okay. All right. Anthony is going to get a lot of hype heading into the 2020 draft. Beyond the simple fact that he is the son of UNLV legend and NBA journeyman, Greg Anthony, Cole Anthony is headed to North Carolina where Roy Williams is going to slot him into the same role that he used Kobe White in last year. He is going to get a lot of shots, he's going to score a lot of points, and he's going to have a lot of highlight real plays in the process. My big question for Cole long-term is that I'm not convinced that he is big enough to play off the ball. I'm not sure he is a natural point guard, and I don't know that he's quite good enough to be allowed to play the same way that he played throughout his career at the NBA level. There's definitely some potential there, but I think the fit at the NBA level makes more sense with Green and Edwards- than it does with Anthony. And of course, Green and Edwards are referring to some players that were ahead of the list in this article that I found. So Tanya, thoughts?
1: I mean, I think that a lot of these criticisms were very similar to the criticisms we heard about Kobe White before last season. There was, he's not a true point guard. Etc. Etc. et, cetera, et cetera. He, he can't facilitate. All of this stuff. But he made it work. And I don't see any reason to believe that Cole would be any worse than that. Were there growing pains with Kobe? Absolutely. Will there probably be growing pains with Cole? Almost certainly. But that's kind of what you get with a freshman point guard. So I think that all of these criticisms may be valid to a point, but I also feel like they're the same ones that we've heard before that are kind of like easy tropey things that you can say about guys who haven't played the college game before. So I'm not concerned personally, Um, just because I think a lot of people slept on Kobe's ability and he ended up being just fine. I really would be hard pressed to think of a situation that, you know, Carolina lost a game because Kobe white wasn't like an elite facilitator or something like that. Um, so I, I very much imagine that Cole season will go at least similarly. There will probably be frustrating moments, but that's what happens when you have a freshman point guard.
0: Yeah. And It's one of those things where I feel like in what was written, it kind of took digs at his abilities as a shooting guard and as a point guard where it's like, I don't know that he's big enough to play off the ball, but then I'm not sure that he's a natural point guard. But
1: that just sounds like you're calling his entire basketball ability into question, which seems misguided on a guy who is overwhelmingly expected to be. A lottery pick in the draft like what do you think he can do if, if those are your questions
0: well and also I feel like that's the ultimate definition of a combo guard they can do both they don't necessarily excel at either but they can do both and the thing is Roy Williams is going to make him a point guard that's already been established he did that to Kobe White and Kobe did a fine job. I'm not going to say that he was the best point guard in Carolina history or anything like that, but he did fine. He was By the end of the year, I feel like he was able to cut down on the turnovers and he was able to make smarter decisions. He tried to kind of slow things down and just not play completely out of control. The good thing about Cole is that He doesn't really have the out of control problems from a speed perspective. He knows how to change speeds and things like that. I feel like his vision's good. I've seen him make ridiculous plays, um, as far as facilitation goes. I, I'm with you. I feel like some of it's misguided, and I'm not saying Cole Anthony's going to be perfect. Perfect, he's not. He's a freshman. He's going to make mistakes. There's things that he has to work on. He knows that he has to work on it. But at the same time, I feel like denying his clout, I guess, is maybe the word, Um, as an NBA draft prospect is kind of – it's making a lot of assumptions based on something that they probably haven't seen enough of. And that's referring to the person that wrote this. I feel like people that write these types of things haven't seen them play enough. And I say that as somebody that, somebody that hasn't seen Cole Anthony play enough. I've seen a little bit of what he's done. Um, Obviously we'll see more, but I've also done my homework and I feel like he's a smart kid. He is super talented, Comes from a strong bloodline, and I think that's just going to pay off big time for him down the road.
1: Yeah, and I just, I don't know. I think people, I don't know this person, so I I can't say for sure. But I do feel like sometimes sports writers want to be the one who like threw cold water on things in case that's how it goes. And they can kind of like look back and be like, see, I told you. Um, so I don't know if that's the case here, but I just feel like we saw it a lot with Kobe and everything turned out fine. So I'm not worried about like several months out criticism of Cole Anthony. Like that's the least of my worries.
0: Yeah. Shifting gears to the other bit of information that I heard about Cole Anthony, um, 24-7 sports recruiting analyst Jerry Meyer was talking about the best point guards that he ever got to scout on uh, one of the podcasts that I kind of stumbled upon. And And I'm not purposely skipping over the podcast name. If I find it, I'll let you guys know, but I just don't remember it off the top of my head. But at any rate, he was listing off his top five point guards that he has ever personally scouted. So that does not count anybody that he didn't wasn't personally responsible for during their recruiting process. The top three on his list were Cole Anthony, Derek Rose, and John Wall. When it came to Cole Anthony, his reasoning was that he felt like Anthony was a better defender than Derrick Rose, or at least he had better defensive awareness. He feels like the athleticism is just really high. He could shoot better than Derrick Rose. Basically, he just gave this glowing review of him. And one thing that he pointed out that was very interesting is he was talking about why Cole Anthony wasn't the top prospect in the country. And what he said about that was that we kind of become enamored with bigger players, which is evidenced by James Wiseman being the top player in the country. And what he was saying was funny about that was Cole Anthony has, he out rebounded Wiseman in high school. Um And yeah. And, call actually he almost averaged a triple double um i don't remember if that was just a senior year or for his career but i mean yeah it, when he said that i really had to think about it and i don't remember the last time of that i saw a point guard as the number one player in the country i'd have to do some digging to see how often that's come up but Yeah, basically he just said Cole Anthony is the best point guard that he has ever scouted.
1: And that is some lofty praise. Um, If I had to guess, I would say that when Cole Anthony's season is over, we will think of him somewhere in between those two takes. I would love to come away from the season – calling him a better point guard than Derrick Rose. But, I mean, to play it safe, I think that he's probably ends up somewhere in the middle of those two things. I don't think that either person is, you know, without their merits in what they're saying. But, I mean, that is that is a lot to live up to. So, I mean.
0: It's a lot to live up to and also... Being a point guard's hard. I think that's something that... And it's hard in Willie
1: Williams' system, particularly.
0: Exactly. And I think that's something that just with any point guard ever that comes through college ranks, it's something to keep in mind. Everybody has these high expectations for various players, but when it comes to point guards, it's hard. And though he said that Cole Anthony is the best point guard that he's ever scouted, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be Zion Williamson. I think that, and I only mentioned Zion because I feel like in his situation, all he had to do was go out and do exactly what he knew how to do, but better. And what I mean by that is, he ended up getting stronger. He ended up working on his jump shot. He ended up just basically continuing to be dominant. I feel like with Cole Anthony, he's going to have to, like you said, learn how to play in Roy's system. He's going to have to learn how to make better decisions, cleaner decisions. He's going to have to work on making you know, have basically better shot selections, things like that. It's a lot to think about. It's a lot to actually smooth out. And I feel like if he was a three-year player, we're talking about somebody that would just be outrageously good by the time that he his junior year. But we are in the one-and-done era, and we don't have that luxury. So to your point, I feel like we're looking at somewhere in between what Jerry Meyer said and what NBC Sports said, which kind of falls in line with what I wrote in my article where I said the expectations should probably fall somewhere in between what everybody wanted Nasir Little to be and what Kobe White actually ended up being. I think if you do that, you're not going to be incredibly disappointed in what his one lone season at Chapel Hill might be.
1: I mean, I think that Cole probably has a chance to be at least as good as Kobe if everything goes well. Um, Maybe he could be a little bit better. I don't know. Um, But I do think that with any freshman point guard, you do have to temper your expectations a little bit, at least at the beginning. Um, And it takes time to adjust to Roy's system. Um, the starting lineup is going to be incredibly different than last year. And obviously they had time to practice and gel that way, but that's different than live game action. So yeah, like I think praise is definitely warranted based on everything I've ever seen out of Cole Anthony. Um, He is a immensely talented player, and I think he's going to do a lot of good things. Um, I think the rush to be like, He's not this or that or the other, or he's better than this or that or the other is a little premature probably, but I know that you have to write something. But I think we could also just let Cole Anthony be Cole Anthony and that will be okay.
0: Exactly. He's The biggest takeaway from all of this is he's a really good player. He is a really good player. There's a reason that he is a top five player coming out of high school. It's the reason he's going to be a lottery pick. It's just with any freshman player, especially a point guard, it's going to take some patience, but it's going to be a fun season. We'll get to enjoy him as well as all the other Tar Heels. And speaking of enjoyment, K.J. Smith got to enjoy – a surprise from Roy Williams this week. Um, The scholarship that was available, I believe this might've actually been Seventh Woods uh, vacant scholarship after he went to South Carolina, but at any rate, Roy Williams offered KJ Smith a scholarship and all the team rejoiced. Um, Tanya, We've seen this before from Roy Williams and I love that he does this. Uh we saw with Luke May, we saw it with Shay Rush. Now we're seeing it with K J. Um Yeah, it just it it's just kind of awesome. Like I I enjoy seeing kids that are willing to come to UNC and not get that scholarship right away, but you know, kind of work at it and eventually they're their efforts pay off
1: yeah it's definitely exciting and I saw a comment on Twitter from someone who was like "Eh, like as as good as you can feel about the son of Kenny Smith getting a scholarship and I don't think that's the right way to look at it because does KJ need the scholarship no not at all but I think it's a reward for what he's Put in, and I think that that is what you want to be able to give a player who comes and is willing to sit out or is willing to be a third option off the bench or whatever it takes. I think you want to reward that where you can, and obviously, this is a way that they can reward that for KJ. So, you know. <sighs> It was it was a little like eye rolly to see that comment like Ugh, the son of Kenny Smith doesn't need a scholarship. And it's like no, he he doesn't. Monetary wise he does not need the scholarship, but I think it's all about the emotion behind it and it's it should be very difficult to not feel great for him in this moment.
0: Yeah, I mean I know that scholarships are about money, but in a way it's not all about money. I mean, he obviously like they obviously don't need it. His dad's still on TNT. They used to be on some reality. Sh- I think they had a reality show even. All that stuff. His dad was in the NBA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We know the drill, but I really feel like that's neither here nor there. It I mean, there's probably plenty of players that have come through all areas of college athletics that their parents had money. So I, I feel like, I feel like not feeling g- great about KJ's situation because of that reason is silly. It's, it's just, it, it, the point is KJ worked hard within UNC he worked hard at UNC when he got there. And Roy Williams felt like he deserved the scholarship, so he gave him the scholarship. And I think that's really the focus rather than does this kid need the money? That's just it's kind of exhausting that somebody said that. To be
1: there will honest. always be someone there to be the rain cloud. But I think the thing is, you just have to ignore it.
0: Yeah. Get you an umbrella.
1: So good for KJ. Happy for KJ.
0: Very happy for KJ.
1: That's what matters.
0: That is what matters. And we may... I, I don't know what type of playing time he may see this year, but I would very much look forward to seeing him play a little more because he... Man, every time he got onto the court last year, I felt like he did something. It, it, And that doesn't always happen when it comes to the cleanup crew coming in and doing their thing. He just, he looked like somebody that if it ended up a situation like it did with, uh remind me of, The guy that was at Carolina for like 20 years. I know I should remember this. Stillman White. Thank you. I don't know why I was thinking Sterling White. That was completely wrong. Stillman White. (laughs) If he ends up in the same situation that Stillman White ended up in way back during the NCAA tournament, I feel like he would be able to. Do
1: you put that evil out there, please? Because I don't know that we have enough like. Sage to burn to disinfect the Dean Dome.
0: Yeah, that's probably true.
1: We don't put bad energy out there.
0: Yeah. I won't even say it. Let's just say that he will always be ready.
1: I mean, he he represents like the most experience at backup point guard that is on the team. So that could come in handy because I mean I would guess that option B is leaky but also leaky has like eight different roles to play so he may be needed in another role
0: yeah it's going to be interesting because i would think it's going to be leaky but then also there's jeremiah francis
1: three or something or the four
0: right right
1: so yeah there are a yeah. lot of moving parts, but KJ probably represents like the most experience at backup point guard that exists on the team right now.
0: For sure. Yeah. And, I mean, God knows that Roy Williams likes to make a point for his teams. And uh, skipping over the bad energy part, he also likes to show his starters who what effort looks like. And KJ can provide that effort. So if he ever loses his mind and goes, Hey, KJ go in there and show them up. I think he could do it.
1: I think so too. Brandon, do you have anything else for this episode? I am good. Well, I think that will probably do it for us this time. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at Tar Heel Blog. You can find me on Twitter, at Tanya Bondurant. And you can find Brandon on Twitter, at thb Brandon. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your podcast subscription application thing of choice. And leave us a five-star review, and our fellow podcast host, Chad Floyd, will be happy to read it on air. So thank you for joining us, and we will be back next week with more Hot Takes. In the meantime, Go Heels!